0: Thanks, Dan. Right, will just do a little talk on that. And um, classic story, Lazarus, dead man rising up. Um, talking of dead people, did you catch what right I said at the beginning, that really, this morning, we killed Janice and we killed Jay. That putting them under the water was an act of showing that they're dead. Um, they died under that water, and then we raised them from the dead, we pulled them out of the water. It's all pictures, but that, that's the kind of purpose of it. Um, now, in the symbol, me and John did it with our arms and my dodgy back. That's how we did it. But who really has the power to raise the dead? One man, Jesus Christ. It's so verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. One of Jesus' big I am statements. I am the resurrection and the life. That's actually a ridiculous claim for a bloke to say. I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I can make dead bodies live. I have all authority, all power over life and death. It's a claim of power, a claim of authority. I can wake the dead, I can give life to who I want. And our claim as a church this morning was... We believe that Jesus is not bonkers. We believe that he has that power. So, what context does Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life? Not at a party, but at a funeral. In fact, it's worse than that. The fella's been buried already. The funeral's already happened. And did you know that did you notice that Jesus let him die? Did you catch that in the story? Verse 6. so when he heard that he was sick he stayed two more days in the place he was at he heard he was sick and stayed somewhere else for two days he purposely delayed purposely let him die and first 14 and 15 um, so Jesus told them plainly Lazarus died talking to his disciples I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe but let's go to him he's happy that he let him die because, as you can see, he's got purpose behind it. He's using the opportunity to show his power. But he's caused a lot of pain. He's put that family through hell. Mary and Martha, the dead guy's sisters, they're gripped with grief, the whole story, you can see it. Um, loads of people have come round to comfort them. Probably quite a young guy. Really horrendous scenes. Um, and then they have faith in Jesus that he can heal. He's told about Lazarus, and then they hear that he's purposely said, oh, I can't but We're going to stop here for two days. They'd be raging. And both of them individually cry out, If only you'd be here, why didn't you come? If only you'd have been here, you wouldn't have died. Emotions are super high. And Jesus has caused it, which is interesting. Um those of you who've lost close family members will get this. You can picture how grim the situation is. And people have come round, people really mourn in this culture. They really mourn. They don't just, you know, be They're really mourning. People are crying and wailing and everyone's in the house and trying to console these two sisters. And notice how Jesus reacts to the situation. Our wrong view of Jesus is that he's always just this super zen guru, floats about Jerusalem, <laughs> no emotion. But this story highlights every sentence about him, his emotion. He's gripped, he's, he feels those emotions along with everyone else. He's a real human man. Um, look how John described him in verse 5, he even brings it in right at the beginning. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, he loves them. Verse thirty-three. Um, when Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. He's not just pretending to cry. He's not just pretending to be emotional. Pretending—he actually is mourning. He actually is distraught, and his friends, his people, he loves. One man's dead, the sisters are grieving. It's a horrible situation. And actually, it's when he lays his eyes on the tomb, when he sees where Lazarus is laid, that's when we get the shortest Bible verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. It's so sad for Jesus to see his friend in the grave. It's real emotion. Yes, he knows what's gonna happen in a bit in the rest of the story, but it's still real emotion. Um, and it's not just oh, I'm a bit sad wept was weeping weeping is proper bawling your eyes out isn't it mm-hmm. it's not just serenely wiping a tear away it's bawling his friends died his sisters are crying their family are besides themselves and they were looking to him to save him and he didn't do it probably even that emotion is a playing on his mind I purposely let this man die so I could show my power but I've caused this hurt in some ways and so this may be I may be wrong but one of the I can't, even, I can't think of any other passage in the Bible where you get the humanity of God of Jesus the humanity of him next to the awesome power godness of Jesus they're like right next to each other in the same story weeping along with people his friends who that friend who's died his sister's who are mourning he's so human and then the power of the resurrection, juxtaposed to each other. So deeply moved, which is what verse 38 describes him, deeply moved, he commands them to move the stone. And the response is, he's beginning to stink. Jesus sounds like a lunatic. Maybe he's a grief. I mean, there's a Quite a period of grief. It's not just like, oh, he wept and then he does it. There's a period of crying and stuff going on. There's a time period that elapses. And they probably think he's gone mad with the grief. Take the stone away. He's crying. Take the stone away. And then we read verses 40 onwards. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Is he mad? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, publicly, with all these people watching. Father, I thank you that you heard me. Something's already happened. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That wasn't very loud, was it? Lazarus, come out! Uh, And the dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips from the how they buried him, and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. And so this dead man is raised to life. Imagine the crowd's reaction. Most, a lot of them, would have seen his dead body, would have seen, if you've seen a dead body, you know it's a very obvious Thing, and this, that sticks in your mind, doesn't it? They'd have sinned that dead body, they'd sinned him wrapped up, sinned and put in the grave. Um, and now this guy comes stumbling out the cave with these grave clothes around him. That is a miracle of miracles. The power of God. But juxtaposed with his humanity, weeping. Right next door. Um, now, in John, those of you who haven't been here, we've been looking... <laughs> Uh, John, Jesus making um, statement after statement, which is bonkers to everyone around him. I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, I am XYZ, I am. Um, he's been saying these bonkers statements, and he's been doing miracles alongside to show that he's not bonkers. I have power, you can trust me because I'm doing these crazy things. And sometimes the miracle itself is like a visual aid for what he's saying. So he says, I'm the light of the world, and he brings light to a man born blind. Uh, he says, I am the bread of life, just after he's fed about 10,000 people with bread. And now he claims to be the resurrection and the life, so he brings someone back from the dead. Resurrects someone and gives them life. Jesus has this power. Everything he says, he proves at every point, every point, every point. And so today, Janice and Jay were dead and they've received life. We know he's got the power because he raised Lazarus from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. Um, Verse 25 and 26. Why do we believe that Jay and Janice particularly have this life? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The man who brought the dead guy out of the grave, as promised, uh, so it has promised it, Jay and Janice have life, eternal life, because they have believed in Jesus. That's the line. Whoever believes in me, the one who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. Um, and Jane and Janice are going to die. Janice tells us that pretty much every week. Uh, they are going to die, but even though they die, they will live. And there's kind of a weird contradiction, if you noticed. The one who believes in me even when he dies, we we'll live. But then next line he says, they'll never die. And it's because the eternal life that we get after we die, in some sense, we have it now, that eternal life is ours right now if we believe in him. Um, <coughs> and so when their brains stop working, their hearts stop beating, and their body starts getting filled with worms, uh, they're still alive in some senses. They haven't died. The eternal life they've got now inside them carries on living and it's eternal life with Jesus. They will not taste death because of the eternal life given by the gift of the Holy Spirit who baptised them by the Holy Spirit on the authority of Jesus. And when Jesus resurrects, yes, he's saying, yes, Ah, oh, it's broken now, isn't it? Sad times. He'll find something else to do, those loud. Uh, and when Jesus um, resurrects Janice and Jay's body at the end, when he brings them back out in the end times, they will keep on living. Both Janice and Jay have professed belief and have been, we believe, born again. We don't always don't know someone's heart, but we believe uh, their profession of faith. And so death does not stop this eternal life. And they don't just get eternal life and washing away of sin, which is one of the main things we focused on in the baptism. They get blessing after blessing, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the peace of the Holy Spirit, and so that when life goes horrendous, they still have those blessings. As Kathy always reminds us, one of the promises of God is that we will have trouble. More as a Christian, often. Um, but the eternal life of God is a gift from God that sustains us through it. And so the obvious question at baptism, when Janice and Jay say we've tu- we turned from sin to belief in Jesus, is have you done the same? That's what the baptism begs the question. Have you done the same? And I think is an interesting thing. I was talking about this with Pat uh, in the last few weeks. Just to us 25... Jesus said to him, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even when he dies, will live. He doesn't say, the one who believes me, even if he dies, he will live. But believes in me. That's quite a massive difference. Um, so, what he's saying is, the one who, uh, sorry, believing facts about Jesus, does nothing. Believing maybe the words that Jesus said, believing he's a nice dude, believing this story that he could raise someone from the dead. Believing Jesus is not what gives you eternal life, but believing in Jesus. Um, So not just approving what he said, but believing in him and that's what saves you. Because the demons believe all those facts. They believe Jesus is the son of God. They believe that he rose Lazarus from the dead. They believe that he rose again. They believe that. They're not getting saved. They're getting thrown into the pit hell. But instead, Jesus says, whoever believes in me. So um, sometimes belief isn't the right word, but belief in Jesus, or maybe trust in Jesus, or trusting in him, is maybe a, a more helpful word. And um, Trusting in him that the living Jesus has cleansed you from sin, has given you eternal life. It's like depending on him for those things. Not just believing what someone says, but trusting in that person and what they say to save you. Um, So expressing what belief in Jesus might look like, you might say something like, Lord Jesus, I need you. I trust in you that you've taken my sin, that you've given me eternal life. I have no other way to be saved. I need your mercy. I trust in you. And baptism shows those things. Again, the fact that it happens to you, it, you, you you're trusting in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're, um, you're putting your hope and faith in Christ to forgive you and save you. Um, let me get a chair. I've used this analogy before. It oh, was one here. Now, if I, be- I can believe a lot of things about a chair. Looks sturdy, looks red, looks... Um, like it would take some weight, looks like it could uh, take my weight. That's believing the chair, but believing in the chair, trusting in the chair is quite different. If I was to believe in the chair, I'm gonna believe that it will take my weight. Now I'm believing in the chair, so I'm sitting on it. It's taking my weight, I believe in the chair, right? But if, I believe that chair looks sturdy and then someone says, sit on it. And I'm like, ooh, Ooh, I don't know. That's different. I'm believing the chair looks sturdy. I'm not believing in it to take my weight. I think that's the difference with Jesus, really. Um, He's calling people not just to believe that he is the Messiah, not just to believe that he is able to give eternal life, but to believe in him to give you those things, to trust in him to take your weight, to take your sin, to take your and life, and turn it into a new one. And those of us who have done this, Jay, Janice, uh, and others, once we sit in the chair of Jesus and take our feet up, the chair gets up and takes us places. And we don't have, we're trusting in him, so we just got to go where the chair goes. And sometimes that takes us to scary places. Jay and Janice, this is part of your like, walking Christ, you probably both already know this. But he takes us to hard places, but the chair is solid. It does not give way. It supports the weight all the time. Jesus is rock solid. He is the rock in the desert. Um, Story of Moses we were talking about, uh, Jay and Janice yesterday. The rock that the water comes out of, that is Christ. Yeah, he's the bread in the desert that feeds us on this journey that he takes us on. Secure and solid to your last breath. And that's what those of us who are Christians need to be thinking about, we've put our trust in the chair, don't try and get off don't try and get off he's trustworthy to the end Um, and I know there's people in this room who don't believe in Jesus yet maybe you believe things about him but you haven't put, lifted your feet up and put your trust in him Um, and Jesus is saying in this passage very clearly come to me, die to your old life, turn away from it and instead Put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in other things like family and life and kids and sex and fun and whatever you put your trust in. Put your trust in me. I will hold you. I am rock solid. I am the resurrection and the life. Who else could we put our trust in? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So everyone who reads this passage of history, everyone who's listening to it today, Jesus is saying, Believe in me. Trust in me. Turn from your sin and believe in me. And that's the invite on the table. Eternal life. Cleansing of sin, like we saw in the Baptist. Just repent and believe. Um, if, this, if you feel this might be you on the edge, you can respond and talk to God right now as we pray. Um, and then you must talk to somebody afterwards. You must. Talk about your faith. Um, So let me just start in silence and uh, give us all time to reflect on the baptisms we've seen and that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And what that means for us um, as Christians or as not a Christian yet, will we respond to Christ as he asks us to trust in him? Father, and we thank you for the Lord Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, who has power over the grave. He rose Lazarus from the dead, and he himself rose again. And we pray that people would put their trust in you. And pray for us when our unbelief is wanting us wanting to get off the chair, pray we would trust in you. Pray that those here who have not done that would put your, their trust in you, the Saviour, the Messiah, the Son of God, uh, like Martha did in the story. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen.